0: You all can open in your Bibles to James uh, chapter 2, if you would. James chapter 2. Uh, I want to tell you some funny things about Brandon while I'm here, especially since there's no one here that I have to talk to afterwards. It's great. I mean, there's a couple people. But uh, in, in middle school, I was known for two things. One, playing basketball every single day at lunch. Um, lived in Texas, and the sun was always out, and there was no reason not to. So we played basketball almost every single day. It's also into professional wrestling, but that's a chapter I like to leave behind. Um, But with basketball, there's a thing called a trap, okay? And in basketball, uh, in middle school, right, you're you're dribbling the ball, you're on an asphalt court outside, whatever. And all of a sudden, people trap you, right? And and two or three guys uh, in middle school, there were like probably 18 people on a team. So there's like four guys all around you, right? And the deal with a trap is there's no good way out of it, okay? That's the whole point of a trap is that you want to put someone in a spot where there's no great way to get out of it, okay? And in in middle school, in basketball, if you played basketball in middle school, you know this, right? You're dribbling, and all of a sudden you're surrounded, and so what's the great way out of this, right? I I want to give you a little time. Even if someone put it in the comments, I would be amazed. But if you remember, the way out of this trap... When you're playing basketball, and you're surrounded, right? This is the wonderful thing. Even in the NBA, you'll see it every once in a while, but very rare, right? You're dribbling, and what do you do? You throw it off somebody's shoe, right? You hit their shoe, it goes out of bounds, out of bounds on you, okay? And that was your brilliant brilliant way to get out of the trap. So um, I did that numerous, numerous times, I'm sure. So today we want to talk about a trap. The trap has nothing to do with basketball. What the trap has to do with is comparison, okay? Um, comparison. Um, Comparing ourselves and our situation and our circumstances to that of other people is uh, a trap from the enemy. And he loves it. He loves it. Because once he gets you there, once he gets you in this mindset of, I need to, uh, I'm looking at this person, I see what they have, and I want it. Or I'm looking at their circumstances, or I'm looking at their popularity, or I see, I think their life's beneath, whatever it is. As soon as that's my mindset, there's almost no good place to go with it. Uh, be, Satan's got us in a thing where, where can we go from there? As soon as I start thinking that my job, that my thinking needs to be to compare back and forth with someone else, uh, Satan's got me in a spot where I'm, where I'm pretty trapped. And so we're going to talk about that. We want to see it coming, right? We want to know uh, the, the, the temptations the enemy can throw before us and what's going on in our minds. And we really want to think about it today. And so maybe you, uh, you're in middle school, and that's, <laughs> that's one of the huge problems with middle school is everybody's comparing everybody, right? Smarter, taller, uh, faster, whatever it is, whatever you, more beautiful, uh, you know, whatever you think is the thing you can start comparing yourself and ranking yourself where do i where do i fall on the list of smart people as the one i always went for is the easiest uh most of us go for the easiest one by the way but uh where do where do we go uh how do i rank uh maybe you're a mom who feels inadequate because you're looking around at other moms and you think that they're doing it better uh maybe you're working and you feel like uh, you're not making as much money as the rest, or you're not getting your credit, or you're looking at people in your company, and so and so moved up, but I didn't. And I was really, but you know, and you start doing this thing where we're ranking ourselves against other people and we're comparing what they have, how they did, all those kinds of things. And so I think James uh, uh, can really confront a similar thing in James chapter 2. And so I want to tell you, what, uh, just to clarify, where do we go after we compare? I, have, I made a list. Uh, not that great. Sometimes we go to pride. When we start comparing, I think we're awesome. Sometimes we go to self-pity. We think, oh, woe well, is me. Sometimes we go to jealousy. Oh, I wish I had what they had. Sometimes we go to discontent. Oh, what I have is not that great. Sometimes we go to shame. Oh, I really didn't perform that well. I, I really should have performed better. Okay. Sometimes we go to regret, which is just comparing in the past. Right? Why didn't I do, well, I should have done, uh, that person did better, whatever it is. Sometimes, also looking to the past, we start talking about the glory days. Okay, well, I was, you know, we start comparing, well, back then I was, you know, I got the trophies and the whatnot. And um, and really, it's all just a trap. So let's read James chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Okay, James chapter 2, starting in verse 1. My brothers, show no partiality. as yourself, you are doing well, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law Of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I'm going to pray again for us that we could understand God's word rightly. God, thanks that you would give us your word, that you would provide us with uh, something that can check our hearts, something that can encourage us, that you wrote it down for us. We don't have to make this up. And so, God, as we turn to your word now, I pray to be an encouragement and a challenge to your people and to my own heart, God. Um, Thank you for your love and your forgiveness, and thank you that the traps of the enemy um, are not traps for us, but we can see them coming, and we know what to do, um, Lord, in turning to you. Uh, Thank you again. Uh, Would you get the glory from today, even as it's through a camera and through um, Facebook or wherever people are watching, God. Um, You know, and you're with us, and we love you, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Point number one, for those of you that like to, to take points, um, Uh, no one compares to Christ. No one compares to Christ. So see how James starts this section? Go to chapter two, verse one. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold faith, the faith, in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. Okay, so so, so here James starting. He says, okay, I I just want to point out that the faith that we have is in the Lord of glory. Okay, this was... This was probably the highest title he could think of for Jesus. Okay, that the the thought of God's glory in the Old Testament was this weighty, beautiful, holy everything concept. And so when he says we hold we hold faith in the Lord of glory, he's pointing us to the Christ that nobody can compare to—not me. Not you, not anybody on Facebook who's going to watch this, not the few people here in the room. None of us can compare. And so if we don't have an awe-inspiring, eternal view of Christ, comparison is going to be pretty natural for us on this planet. Because all of a sudden we start going, oh, I'm a little higher than so-and-so. I'm a little lower, right? But Christ, I mean, Christ is Christ. Our God is, I mean, we sung it this morning, the only holy God. And um, so we want to have this awe-inspiring view of Christ. I just wanted to point out a couple passages that came to mind that I looked up about this. Revelation chapter 1. These are all from Revelation, but this is about Christ. In the midst of the lampstand, one like a son of man, clothed with long robes and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In, the, in his hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. That's a pretty glorious Christ. Uh, Revelation 4.11 Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom of priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. Okay? This is Christ. Um, He's he's everything. So the thought that I need to rank myself amongst us down here, uh, it it doesn't need to happen. And so if I'm holding faith in this most glorious Christ, um, to whom no one compares. Um, but then in my heart, I say, well, I don't like you. I think I'm better than you. I've missed, I've missed something there. Um, it's a ridiculous attitude when no one compares to Christ. And so I don't say that to make us guilty. I say that to where if we keep a high view of Christ, there's a freedom from comparison, right? I, I don't have to worry about the pecking order anywhere. If I know that Christ is my Christ and my God and my Savior and I, I'm in him. So that was point number one. Number two, we'll get back to, Ch- to James. Comparison focuses on externals, not the eternal. Okay, look down. Uh, verses one through three. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. Okay. They we're looking on the externals here. Uh, that word partiality, it's the idea of, of receiving by the face, right? Just on the surface of things. Okay. That, that someone who had this trait, this character in them was known for just looking at the appearances. Okay. They weren't going to get to know, they were judging right by what they saw. Okay. That's what this word means. What's so funny is all of you have my face this morning, but I can't see any of you. It's really unfair. But um, <laughs> receiving by the face. Uh, so in other words, they're focusing on just right here, just what I can see, just what I can, just what I can tell right off the bat. That, that's what my focus is on. Okay? It becomes very narrow, very temporal, instead of their focus being broad and eternal. Uh, we all can judge by these kinds of things. Uh, just the list I went through earlier. Uh, these, are the, these are the ways we tend to compare ourselves. Everybody's got their favorite few. The things that both make them insecure and the things that make them feel good. Uh, is someone short or tall? Are they fat or skinny, athletic, nerdy, funny, attractive, popular, intellectual, successful, friendly, quiet? How much money do they have? How do their kids compare to mine? These are all external surface things. Okay, that's not eternal not, um, things that I just said. Um, those are those are temporary things. And so that's what's going on here in the church in Jerusalem that James is writing to. Um, he says, someone comes in, uh, they've got the gold-fingered man, got the poor man. Verse 3, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here, here in a good place, and you say to the poor man, you stand over there, sit by my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves? Okay, point number three. So second was... Comparison focuses on externals. Number three, comparison makes me the judge instead of Christ. Uh, comparison, look down, verse four. Have you not been made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Okay, that word distinction, it's, weird, it's an interesting word where it means like to hesitate as if, I, as if, I, as if the final decision stops with me. We all do this sometimes where um, someone asks us to do something and we hesitate, right? Because we're thinking, is that worth it? Is that what I want to do? Is this really what we should be thinking? And some of us do this too. And we want to grow in this is, is this what the Lord wants me to do? Does the Lord want me to be involved in this? Um, But there's this, there's this thought of it's a hesitation in Acts 10, 20. You don't have to turn there, but um, God tells Peter, (laughs) uh, there's going to be some guys come to you and they're going to tell you to go with them, and you need to go, and he uses this word, without distinction, without delay, without hesitation, without without thinking whether it's... W- w- just do it, okay? And so the men come, and they're from a Gentile who Peter wants, wants to invite Peter into his house, and normally a Jewish man like Peter would have stopped and said, well, uh, there's a lot of laws we have to consider here before we go forward. A lot of things, I mean... How good of a Gentile is he? I know he's a God-fearer, but like, there's all sorts of things that could have come into Peter's head. Uh, but God <laughs> warned him in advance, know, You know, and God warns us here. He says, don't, just go do what I tell you to do. Okay. When someone comes into our church, when someone comes into my life, what am I to do? Who am I to be? It doesn't have much to do with what's going on on the outside of that person. Right? It doesn't have to do with whether they have gold fingers on their hands or whether they look like they're homeless. Do you guys get that? When someone walks into our church, if they have tattoos or they're wearing a suit, that should not make me stop and hesitate to do what the Lord asked me to do. Right? What does he call me to do? Be hospitable, be loving, be kind, be welcoming. All these wonderful things that I can do with this person that just walked in but it has nothing to do with me stopping, hesitating, making a distinction about where they rank, right? Oh, do they rank, do they rank in the good seats or the bad seats? Okay. And that makes me the judge. Um, and it puts that hesitation, that, that stopping makes me, makes me think I get, to, I get the final say. Second um, Timothy 4.1 says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead. Okay. I'm not the judge. Uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 3. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself, Paul says. For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but that doesn't make me acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Right? Uh, The Lord's the the judge here. Uh, He's given me clear instructions most of the time of what he wants me to do. And if I stop to compare... If I stop to put things in a pecking order, even even if I put myself lower, if I can shrink back and not courage. I can shrink back in discouragement or shrink back in pity instead of being bold to do what the Lord wants me to do. Okay, I want to be that. I want to be that bold person. Now I want to stop and make a note for some of you, uh, and it helps my soul too. I'm not talking moral right and wrong judgments. Okay, uh, that this this not the word. This is a different thing. Um, even then, though, we judge by the Word of God, right? But when someone comes and asks me if something's right or wrong, uh, I, it's okay to tell them what the Word says. I don't have to say, oh, we don't make distinctions here. You guys get the difference? If the Word of God says something's right or wrong, it's right or wrong, that's not me making the distinction, okay? But when someone walks in and I don't know them and, and all I see is the outward appearance, then I make a distinction? That's what we're talking about here. That. That's the thing that's wrong, okay? So we're not talking moral judgments. Um, it's not saying or believing that someone did something uh, wrong or whatever. Um, really, really, even then, even if I know that someone did something wrong, there's a second step that I can take that, that is beyond where I should go if I start comparing myself to them, right? If I, even if I know someone's done something wrong, that doesn't put me above them. Uh, that we 're still all sinners here, right even then i don 't want to start playing the comparison game where i where I act like I have some right to tell them. Um, by the way, this is pretty freeing <clears throat> uh, you 're not the judge i 'm not the judge there 's a lot of responsibility on the judge it 's not me like I said it it simplifies life when someone when all I need to do is say, "I need to obey what God tells me to do to this person." I need to love them, I need to encourage them, I need to walk with them, I need to teach them, whatever it is. those are the things I can jump right into those there's freedom just to do I don't have to rank anything beforehand. Oh, man, if I could tell you in middle school it was all about ranking, right It was all about who was where and who was and all this stuff and and it just was a waste of time um There's so much more that could have so much more fun that could have been had, so much more life, so much more everything if um we hadn't played those comparison games, okay? Point number four, uh, this is the primary reason why comparison is a trap, is because comparison doesn't lead to Christ-like actions. Okay, look down here. At least we have an example here. We have a couple others in the scriptures as well, but uh, verse four, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. And then it says, are not the rich, the ones oppressing you and the ones who drag you into court. Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? You get what he's saying here? He's saying you've, you've judged, you've become the judge you've compared And now you think that you should dishonor this person and honor this person. When in reality, the Lord's choice was the exact opposite. The people they were trying to be friends with were the ones that were blaspheming and needed to be told they were blaspheming. And the people, the poor people who they were dishonoring, God had chosen to be rich in faith. Now that's not always the case, but here it was. And yet because they had ranked themselves, well, there's rich people, there's us, and there's poor people, Therefore, people that are lower than me, I treat badly. People that are higher than me, I treat well because I want to jump above them someday. All right? And so it did not lead to Christ-like action. In fact, it had led them to the exact opposite of what God would have wanted them to do. And so instead of respecting everyone, and, and we have this other, like, verse 3 mentions that, 6 and 7, 5, 8, that, about how they uh, should be treating people and shouldn't, um, What does favoritism look like? Well, today, uh, we don't buy pews, thankfully. Uh, You don't get a good seat, you know, because you're rich around here. It doesn't apply today because uh, there's a lot of seats available, right? Uh, If you come in today, we're just going to be happy to see you. So what does favoritism look like? Um, Making fun of people, laughing at people. Um, Ignoring people, when I'm making this distinction, I think I can ignore you. Talking behind someone's back, you've got to be better if you do that. Uh, Being too good for someone, people who think people, (laughs) it's weird how it can work, right? Even when people point at others and say, oh, they're full of themselves. Well, you sounded kind of full of yourself when you said that they were full of themselves. Just caring for my people, right? Well, if, you, if you're my people, then then I care for you. But if you're up here or if I think you're down there, then I don't have to care for you. I've made a distinction. Not being friendly, not caring about someone's feelings, caring about how this person will make me look, right? Well, if I'm friends with that person, if they see me talking to so-and-so, it uh, might not work. And then last, caring about what, other peop- what I can get from someone else, right? So I've judged that person higher than me, so they can take me higher, okay? All of that is not how the Lord has said we're to treat people, right? It's not. Faith in our glorious Lord, oh, sorry. All these, all these have to do with how we compare ourselves to others and how we treat those that we think are lesser than us or unimportant to us. But faith in our glorious Lord should lead us to be unselfish, not comparing, not judging, not disrespecting anyone, Uh, our faith is incompatible with that kind of favoritism, with that kind of comparison, okay? The biggest part of this, though, is trusting God. Why do I say that? Um, I seek to compare usually because uh, I don't like where I'm at or I want to make myself feel better about where I'm at. And you see that in in verse uh, 5, God ha- Has not God chosen those who are poor to be rich in faith? Part of the problem here is that they didn't like that that was what God had chosen. They, they, they didn't think that was a wise choice on God's part. God, if you, I mean, you really should give some faith to these rich people here. Right? The church does the same thing. Well, if only this celebrity came to the Lord, then... What? I mean, I would, any, any person coming to the Lord is wonderful. But we don't need a celebrity. We have the only celebrity there really is. This is Jesus Christ. That's it. He's the only one. He's the only one worth um, comparing everyone to. And sometimes in middle school, we think, oh, God didn't make me right. I should have been taller. I should have been. God didn't choose you for the promotion. But think about this, right? God did make you Correctly. God chose you for salvation. God has given you eternal life if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. We have the gospel. Right? The only God, the only real God, and the only God who came and suffered for his people right, and made himself lowly, even though he never deserved to be so, that we could be saved. And so um, we need to think about trusting God. Um, he's got a spot for you, and you're in it. And that doesn't mean he, want, he wants you to grow, progress, but you're in the spot that he has for you. We don't need to be comparing who's where, okay? Not spiritually, not physically, not monetarily, not anything, okay? Um, okay. The problem with comparing, playing favorites, jealousy is really that we're believing that God is not in control. And even worse, because I don't like my life sometimes the way his God has God has set it up. I would rather befriend blasphemers, be unloving or rebellious, or do sins so that I can bring up my comparison. Right? That's what's happening here, right? They're being friendly with the people that are blaspheming God because they think it brings up their rank. It br- brings up their status. Right? And we've all done this, right? We've all done this at times where we've Compromised because in the sta- in the eyes of man, we wanted to move up some status, some rank, some. We wanted to be viewed as successful. We wanted to be viewed as financially secure. Whatever it was, we've all done this. Where where we say, "Oh, I'll choose the I'll choose the wrong because it brings up my status." And that's really what they've done here. Okay. Point number five, and this is the last one. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to tell without people here how long I'm going because nobody's falling asleep. So. Uh, Appreciate those that are in the room staying awake. Uh, Point number five, Christ brings freedom from the trap of comparison. Okay, look down at verse eight. Christ brings freedom. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. You see that? He wipes away all that comparison and just says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, that's freedom right there. I don't have to think about how all those other things, I can just say, oh, I'm to love God and I'm to love my neighbor. That's freeing, that simplifies, that that makes choices much more clear when we think that way, okay? And then look down uh, to verse 12. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. What a weird verse. For judgment without mercy uh, to, sorry, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What a, what a weird... Ver- so act as if you're going to be judged by the law of freedom. What he's saying is, you're free from all comparison. Under the law, you're free. Uh, all you need to do is love God and love people. To know, to know what the Bible says, to do according to what the Lord says. That that's all. That's what that's what we'll be judged by. You are not going to be judged by how you compared to anybody else. Zero percent. Well, Christ, you're going to be compared, but but even as believers, we're hidden in Him. Thankful for that. Okay. But think about it. We're not going to be judged compared to anybody. I don't I don't have to be better than anybody in this room. Worse, it, uh, I have freedom in Christ because He's paid for my sins. And he's given me his righteousness. And so I don't have to live according to that kind of comparison. Jesus says the same thing. Um, John eight thirty one. So he said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Abide in his word, know the truth, truth sets you free. What's, lack, what's missing in all that? Comparison to anybody. He he didn't need the Jews to compare themselves to the Gentiles. He didn't need the, the Pharisees to be above the peasants. He didn't need the Sadducees in the temple. He didn't need any of that. What he said is, abide in my word, know the truth, the truth will set you free. Well, and then instead of thinking how I compare to people, I should probably think about God's word and the truth. Okay, what does God want of me? Who has he made me? right? I'm hidden in Christ. I have his righteousness. My soul is saved in heaven, secured with him, right? I have the spirit as a guarantee within me, okay? Um, I have a new body weight. Like, there's all these things that we could say about ourselves that'll give you freedom, okay? And Galatians, and Peter warn us of something. Galatians 5.13, you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. Peter, First uh, Peter two sixteen. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. I love when verses are that close together because it shows you a pattern, right? It shows that I can have this concept of freedom, and there's this temptation to use it wrongly, right? To think that I need to rank myself, or think I should be selfish, or think my goal is to move up in status, right? There's there's, I have freedom and I could use it to try to adjust my status, but instead what does the Lord say? Be a servant. Right? The end of the one in Peter says, living is a servant of God. The end of Galatians 5.13 says, "Love, or but through love serve one another. Okay? How free is that? I can go around and say, I know right where I rank. I'm a servant. Servant of everybody. Servant of Christ. Okay? So, uh, why preach on this today? Um, why go to James in a weird passage about favoritism uh, to talk about comparing? Um, I trust that the Lord can use it in your hearts, right? In whatever area you might be uh, tempted to be trapped, okay? But for me, like most things in my life right now, it goes back to my little daughter, Leah, okay? She's uh, disabled. She's handicapped. She is not strong, okay? Um, she's made her family different in so many ways um, since she's been born, and uh, it's different in many ways compared to other families. right? And so there's a trap if I start thinking, oh, well, how does my family compare now to so-and-so's family? How does our day compare... How- how does the stress on me, how does the, how, wait, 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 wait. Those paths won't take me anywhere good. Where What will take me to a good place. The Lord gave us our sweet little Leah. She's right where she should be. She's going to progress as the Lord wants her to progress. Uh, he didn't make a mistake in the things that he's done wonderfully well. I can be thankful that the Lord gave me a wife and my sons and Leah and even our, our, our in-laws and parents on various sides and the whole, that this church, right? All of this, God has not made a mistake in setting my daughter in the middle of it, right? And if I start comparing, then I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm almost, it's almost like I'm trying to find God's mistakes, right? And I don't need to do that. I can walk forward in freedom saying I am the right dad for her. We are the right family for her. She will progress. She like all this stuff. I can say in freedom, and so I didn't want any of you thinking that I'm preaching this for you. Um, selfish preaching for me, right? I don't need to compare. I don't need to rank. Um, and it's going to be a lesson that I need to teach her, right? I mean, it seems obvious in the case of someone who's disabled, maybe, but really, it should be obvious to all of us. Um, we don't need to compare. Uh, we don't need to. We don't need to think that way. And so. I want to clearly see what a trap comparison is and I want to know the freedom um, that I have in God's sovereignty. Um, I want to know the freedom I have in a glorious Christ. I want to know the freedom I have to serve, the freedom I have to not worry about statuses or ranks or progress or whatever it is. So that's really why I preached this this morning. Appreciate you all coming along for the ride. I hope it's helpful. Uh, Like I said, especially middle schoolers, but everybody. Uh, moms, uh, jobs, all these areas where we tend to compare. Uh, We don't need to do that. So let me pray for us. God, thanks for clarity in your word. Um, It doesn't come from me. I've probably made it confusing in parts, God. So I pray that you would help people to understand. I pray that whatever is not of you would, would be quickly forgotten and whatever is of you would be remembered and marked on us, God. Thank you for a glorious Christ. Thank you that I don't need to compare. I don't need to wonder where who fits where. I can have freedom in treating you um, and treating everyone exactly as you say I can and need to. And so God, thank you for the simplicity of that. Thank you for the clarity of it. Thank you that you're the sovereign God in control of all these things. And um, we love you. I pray a blessing on your people um, scattered abroad, wherever they are today, uh, that, that they would... Um, find freedom in this and find encouragement to trust your sovereignty and to be servants of others. Uh, God, thanks for caring for us, for loving us, for forgiving us. We fail so often at this, God, we slip back into it. We we have this, na- this human nature to compare and to, to push and shove for position and power and success. Um, God, keep us from those things. Uh, we love you again, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for being at slash watching Bear Valley Church this morning, and we'll uh, see you all next week.